baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Welcome back, everyone, to Center Stage, all things arts and entertainment. We just believe you need to know about it. I'm so excited uh, for our first guest um, as we look at all the theaters here in the Twin Cities um, and, in fact, beyond. The state of Minnesota used to have, I think, about 880 different theaters. I hope I have that correct. Um, We've lost some, uh, some of the smaller theaters during this pandemic. And I tell you, it's been hard for some of the, the big ones to even hold on, but they have done it. And I am excited. Excited for this new announcement. There is a lot of buzz in St. Paul, and the new boss, the new boss, president and CEO of the Ordway Theater, his uh, theater. His name is Chris Harrington, and he dr- just um, wrapped up his first week as new president. And of course, we want to know what lies ahead for him, and what is his vision. And of course, how does he feel like being in the snow tundra, the tundra that is Minnesota? Welcome, Chris Harrington. How are you, sir? I am doing well, Geraldine. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to interview you tonight. You, you can hear that I'm a little nervous. Um, I oh, believe, you, well, you worked with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra there in Detroit. So you worked with them for a lot of years. In fact, you went yeah. from there to here. Is that correct? Yes, ma'am. I spent um, actually 16 years with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. I had the pleasure of when I was studying at the Wayne State University to start in the box office. Um, so really just starting part-time and then coming back in 2012 and serving in various capacities and working my way up to senior leadership, but really just um, bringing people together from all walks of life through music and, again, being a connector in the community. So I got a really incredible opportunity to learn so much in Detroit, and that's my hometown, but I am extremely excited to be um, bringing some of those learnings to St. Paul and really excited to be here in this community. I want to make sure that um, you are who I think you are. Did you work with Hannibal Lacumbe years ago? Yeah, so actually that predates my time at the DSO, but um, the Detroit Symphony Orchestra had a very rich legacy of presenting artists like Hannibal, and we had a really amazing program um, through our classical roots, so I think that was probably connected to that um, particular program in Detroit. But yes, that is the DSO that you're referring to. Wow, my sister actually performed with Hannibal um, at the Detroit, with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra, and she always talks about how wonderful that experience was. Um, so we saw your picture, and we both went, he looks familiar! <laughs> so <laughs> I'm yeah, just really excited that you're here. I had of reading all about your family and the rich legacy that you all have brought to um, the Twin Cities and just all over the world. So I think you gave us a little teaser of your amazing voice in the previous segment. So I'm honored to be speaking with you right now. (laughs) I'm the one that's honored, sir. Okay, so as you wrapped up this first week here in Minnesota Mm -hmm. as president and CEO, we do want to know what lies ahead for you. Making the decisions for um, uh, the Ordway is a really big deal, as you well know. You've been dealing with big deals Mm -hmm. most of your life. You're a professional life. So where do you start at the Ordway? Yeah, so I would say my biggest value is, um, again, I'm a connector, but one of my top personal values is listening. And considering the fact that I'm I'm an outsider coming to a new community, you know, I think I've seen this play out, you know, in a very terrible way where someone comes in with all the answers and they kind of helicopter in with all the magic solutions. And 
I would say my biggest priority is going to be to listen, um, going on a listening tour, listening to staff, listening to our various stakeholders, listening to people in the community. Um, we have a really amazing staff and team and board at the Ordway. So um, that's my top priority at this point. Again, I have ideas, but, you know, I would say one of my, my major things is to really build on the rich legacy that has always um, been known for. And, you know, part of the, the Orway Center for the Performing Arts, I really want to cultivate um, the existing and to develop new audiences. And when I say develop and attract new audiences, you know, I always have to say that that's additive. It doesn't have to be zero sum. So there's an opportunity for us to mean more to more people in the community. And then I think just re, really thinking about what it means to be a performing arts center in the 21st century. So this idea of being this community gathering place where people can come together to see their stories represented on stage and to see, um, you know, basically where they can see their world through music or the performing arts at the Orway. That's something that's um, really, really important to me. And it seems like just being embraced in all of the conversations that I've been able to have thus far. So wrapping up the first week, but learning a lot meeting a lot of people and really just um, inspired by the, 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 the commitment to this community, particularly with the Ortway and the rich arts and cultural sector and community here in St. Paul. It is very rich. In fact, um, I'm curious yeah. to know, where do you go from here? Now that you've been and, and watched uh, for more than a week, I, I keep saying to myself, it's difficult for a new president and CEO to jump mm -hmm. in when there's already um, the, the – um, all of the shows have already been chosen for 2021 yeah. into 2022. And so the, it's about watching and learning. I'm getting a master's degree right now um, mm -hmm. at Luther Seminary, and it's called in a, in, um, Innovation, Leadership and Innovation in Ministry. Right. And when you start looking at innovation, every theater has been looking into what more can they do when it comes to innovating their theater, innovating the pieces that they bring in. What are you thinking about along those lines of innovation? Yeah, so I would say um, my work in Detroit was really centered on innovation and coming here into this new community. That was one of the things that really attracted me here um, during the pandemic. You know, it was during a time where we couldn't bring people together. And that's really at the core of what we do. So one of the unique programs that the Orway Center uh, provided was live from the loading dock where they got to present yes. um, these really intimate um, experiences at the loading dock. And I'll tell you that in all of my conversations with donors and, and board members and staff, I can just since that palpable energy and the excitement that they had around that sort of innovative um, product that came out of um, necessity, but it's something that was really embraced. I think really leaning into those experiences and again, just figuring out how we can meet more and more people in the community. Um, I know that technology um, has been essentially our best friend during this time, but there's really no, no, no replacement for experiencing live music in the theater and doing that with people who love and share the same passion for this type of music. So really exploring what's next, but leaning into, you know, ideas like that, like Live from the Loading Dock here at the Orway. Very successful, in fact, Live mm -hmm. from the Loading Dock. And as you look forward, a lot of theaters are trying to um, make changes and, and move forward. Up and forward is what my mantra yeah. is. In that sense, um, are you going to bring on a whole new team to work with you and to be able to put forward some of those innovative ideas that may be stirring? Well, I'll, I'll say this. One of the reasons that attracted me to um, to take this position, again, I've spent my entire life professionally and personally in Detroit, but one of the things that attracted me to this particular opportunity was the incredible staff at the Orway. Um, mm -hmm. And I can probably spend the next hour just talking through um, just how dedicated and how um, amazingly competent they are and how passionate they are about the work. So I'm looking 
um, forward to partnering with them to, again, really build upon the success um, that, that the Orway is known for, but to also explore some of those new opportunities and to, to work alongside, again, the staff, the board, and the community here in the Twin Cities. Okay, so as you start to meet and visit with Minnesotans, particularly those in St. Paul, I can just imagine you've already noticed the big difference between St. Paul and Minneapolis, right? Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. you probably have already decided tread lightly, my friend. Tread lightly. Uh huh. <laughs> what have I you am. learned so far about us? Yeah. Well, you know what? I will just say that I am um, incredibly humble to have this opportunity, but I've been overwhelmed by the amount of positive support. Even before I came here, when my appointment was announced back in September, um, people from the Twin Cities that I never met before or that were mutual friends are reaching out and saying, hey, if you need anything, you know, you call us. And I've now been on the ground here in St. Paul for two weeks, officially on the job for one week. And I was just sharing with my wife um, a couple of days ago that this is already starting to feel like home. And I don't feel like I'm a stranger in a foreign land. And I didn't know what to expect, you know, only being here for two weeks. But it really feels like home already. And I say that that's just really a testament to the amazing community here. Um, I'll just give a huge shout out to the board and the staff who were very intentional about the onboarding process and the transition um, into this particular role. So they met weekly leading up to, you know, my arrival just to make sure that I had all the resources that I needed to be successful to make sure that I was meeting all the necessary um, people in the community, staff. Um, and it was a very intentional effort that I'm very grateful for. So it made um, a big transition for me personally and professionally a lot easier. And again, um, there are certain days where, you know, you doubt um, just just all the darkness that we've experienced over the past couple of years. But I would say that um, my faith in humanity has been restored just, just because of the kindness of um, all the people here in the Twin Cities. And again, that love is just... Um, it, it continues to be to be shown to me daily, and I'm very grateful for that. We are grateful that you are here, sir. And as you move through um, this difficult time when it comes to weather here in Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, yes, it'll be cold. And if I had met you when you first landed here, I would have given you a pair of gloves that are like the best <laughs> ones that you need. Um, but I'm just wearing, I'm, of course, um, Michigan, we're used to, to snow in Michigan as well. You know, I had many, yeah. many family members there. And so I know that you will be completely pre- com- prepared. Your wife will be prepared. Mm-hmm. Do you have children also that are, have come here with you? Yeah, so no children. Um, it's just my wife and I. And again, having um, you know been in Detroit, in Detroit my entire life, I'm definitely familiar with the brutal winters. Um, I've heard a lot of really interesting stories about the winters here, but it seems like um, the Twin Cities have, has the infrastructure to um, to help individuals really embrace that. And I would say that that's the other thing is um, in all of my conversations about the the, the winters here. It seems like, you know, the Twin Cities, they really lean into celebrating that. And I've heard about all of the, the holiday uh, markets that happen, all of the, the winter festivals, all of the outdoor activities. So I'm definitely looking forward to experiencing all that the Twin Cities have to offer. Um, and again, I have a really good pair of gloves. And I've, um, one of our board members shared with me just a couple of weeks ago that there's no such thing as bad weather, only bad clothes. So <laughs> I definitely need to make sure I have the right clothes. And really excited um, about being here. 
I am looking forward to all of the partnerships that you will develop um, yeah. at your stint here. And so please, you know, know that the Steels, my family, are really looking forward to meeting you, sir. I will come and see different events and really hope to meet you soon. My sister Javita Steele, who worked with the Detroit Symphony Orchestra before yeah. you were a part of it, um, she says hello, even though she didn't meet you. She says hello. And we just want to say thank you so much for taking this job. So excited. Are you the first African-American to to lead the Ordway? I think so. I, I am the first African-American to lead the Ordway. And again, it's a, an incredibly um, great honor to do that. Um, you know, I think about my introduction into into this space. And I think about, you know, growing up in Detroit and seeing projects of the Detroit public schools and going on field trips having the opportunity to go to different theaters and museums as a kid and that transformative experience that really just really changed the trajectory of my life. I think about um, all of the amazing teachers that I had who exposed me to so many different types of music. And often when you're growing up, you know, pursuing a career in the arts isn't one of those things that you often hear as um, the successful career that you could have. So, you know, you often hear about being a doctor or a lawyer or an engineer or a teacher or going to, you know, a professional um, sports league, but, you know, I'm really leaning into this and really embracing this opportunity, particularly at this particular time in our country. So as an African-American man, you know, leading such a prestigious organization like the Ordway Center for the Performing Arts and considering um, how strong our connection is to the education community, and we have a really amazing family festival. So seeing someone that may look like you, um, on stage and how important representation is. That's something that I'm really embracing and can't wait to do that. So I can only imagine how um, that may change someone's life too. So I know how um, inspired I've been by some of my mentors who look like me who have held similar positions like this. So I just want to make sure that I um, am a good steward of this opportunity and I can actually pay that forward to um, make sure that we have leaders and that we're really developing the pipeline for generations to come. Chris Harrington, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I cannot wait to meet you, and I, I hope that I can have you on in a few months when you really do have clarity on your vision if you don't so far. So we are here to support you uh, and just know that you can turn to, to the community to really help yeah. support in so many ways. Thank you again, sir, for joining us tonight. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure, sir. Good okay. night. Take care. Yeah. Bye-bye. All right, coming up next, of course, we have a guest at uh, 23 After, Rick Shiomi, The Empathy Project. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. It is now 925 here at WCCO. Welcome back to Center Stage, all things arts and entertainment. We just believe you ought to know about it. There's something called the Empathy Project, and it is a new interview-based play about Minnesotans. The play explores empathy across geographic, political, and racial divides based on interviews of rural and urban Minnesotans, people like your neighbors, your friends, or even yourself. So this play investigates the power and limits of empathy in a deeply fractured world. Our guest that will be joining us, um, hopefully hastily, is Rick Shiomi. And we're going to talk about what this piece is all about. What's remarkable about it is it's not the common thing. It's not what you would expect it to be. It's created and written by Stephanie Leanne Walsett. Uh, it's a live production, fully staged, and it's going to happen November 12th through the 21st. Where? It is at the Park Square Theater. They're going to present um, presents a full circle production. And, of course, it's directed by Clarbel Gross, and that's November 12th through the 21st, November 12th through the 21st at Park Square's Andy Boss Thrust Stage. Now, of course, they have COVID-19 um, protocols. You definitely want to check on that. But this is a fascinating um, look into who we really are. Who are we? What exactly is it that we want? What are we working towards? Not looking back, but working towards. And let's talk a little bit about the cast, by the way, in answering that question. Um, there is, it is a cast of nine. Song Kim, uh, Dominique Jones, Shannon Custer, hey Shannon, uh, Ugi Push, Sedequa Shabazz, Kim Vasquez, Peter Colburn, Marcy Luke, and Joshua C. Larson are all a part of this. Now it features original compositions by Paul D'Amico Caper, or Carper, excuse me, and choreographed by Mary Harding. Designers include Tom Mays for light design, Mina Kinyukawa, <laughs> I hope I got that right, set design, and um, Mr. Vang or Miss Vang costume design and Quincy Bachman sound design. Design. Well, the Empathy Project explores empathy across gen geographic, political, and racial divides, and again, based on interviews of rural and urban Minnesotas. And that's what I really wanted to talk um, to our guest tonight. Rick Shiomi, if we can reach him. We are trying to reach him. But I tell you, just imagine going into the communities, the rural communities, as well as the urban communities, answering this question. 
about empathy and why it's necessary to have an empathy project. I am very excited about this particular piece. We need to start restart the conversation because we all know that we have problems with empathy right now in our world, particularly in the United States. People are not as empathetic as they used to be. It doesn't seem like we step in each other's shoes day to day, afternoon to afternoon, week to week and year to year. We don't seem to have the empathy that we used to. So as we keep trying to move up and forward, one of the first things we need to tackle is exactly this. So the empathy project really lays heavy on my heart in the sense that, oh my goodness, what do we learn about each other? Is it that bad? Or trying to see it from a whole different light and say, yeah, this is what we need to work on. This is what we need to do. And having the leaders involved, those that wrote the piece, those that um, hired the cast, really to have each one of these characters tell us more about who we are. It's like looking through a glass that we may not want to look through. It's not easy where we have become, who we are today in the United States. It's not easy being us right now. I don't know about you, but it breaks my heart when I learn every day or hear a story every day or read a book every day where you start to feel like, oh my gosh, who are we really? I had a conversation recently and someone said to me, we're not empathetic because we really never were. Well, what do you mean by that? We really never were. There used to be a time if, if someone was in trouble and they were calling out for help, someone would run to help them. Nowadays, people go, oh, no, I don't, want any, I don't want to get involved. I don't want it to be me. It'll have to be somebody else. So if we're going to do anything about this, starting right here, you know, going to see this particular piece, this is the Full Circle's first live, in-person, and fully staged production since 2019. The pandemic may have stopped us temporarily, but we are going forward. And these playwriters are actually making sure that they give us content where we can look in the mirror every day. And some of us don't like that, but that's what we need. All right, we're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. I love this song. I absolutely love this song. <laughs> That's the Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Yes. Carol of the Barrels, honey. Who can do it better, right? Woo. Well, Christmas Eve and other stories like rock opera. Um, I, let me say that again. Christmas Eve and other stories rock opera, which is based on the triple platinum album of the same name and follows a story by Trans-Siberian Orchestra's late founder, composer, lyricist Paul O'Neill. Further, it will be a celebration of the 25th anniversary of that landmark album. Al Petrilli of Trans-Siberian Orchestra joins us to talk about the band's remarkable run and their stop in St. Paul. I'm going to give you those details in just a moment, but uh, i got to tell you, I'm really excited to talk to you, Al. Welcome to WCCO. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And uh, first and foremost, I hope that you and your family and everybody is safe and healthy and doing the best they can right now. Ditto, sir. Ditto. Okay, Trans-Siberian <laughs> Orchestra has been around um, for 25 years, if not more. Mm -hmm. I know you've been famous for 25 mm -hmm. years, that's for sure. And this particular uh, song that opened up, I, I have never met a person that doesn't know about that song and know about Trans-Siberian <laughs> Orchestra. So well yeah. done. Well, um, thank so you so much. In order to celebrate the 25th anniversary 
uh, of this landmark album. How do you begin to plan it, and where do you find yourself getting really excited about what you are about to share with the audience? Well, first and foremost, uh, we've been touring, like you had said, we're celebrating its 25th anniversary this year. Uh, this started in early winter 1995 when Paul O'Neill called me up and asked me to get involved in a project he was working on. And I went into the studio with him, and he put the faders up on what, the song you just played. And you know when your dog looks at you and tilts his head to the side because he's not really sure what you're doing? That, that's kind of what I did with Paul. Because I, I looked at him, I was like, brother, what's with the Christmas song? And he, he laughed. And he said, it's not really a Christmas song. It's a soundtrack depicting uh, events that took place on Christmas Eve during the war in Bosnia, in Sarajevo. Okay? I said, well, now you got my attention. And he said, well, uh, you know, uh, there was a classical cellist who would go down to the uh, town square and play pieces by the great composers in protest for the bombing. And the hair on my arm kind of stood up because I was Alice Cooper's musical director in 1990, and we played Zagreb in Belgrade, and I was exactly in the town square he was depicting in Paul's story. So I said, just press record. And I started playing the opening notes to that piece of music. And that's really where this thing first opened its eyes, like one of my children. In 99, we started touring. And every year we would just say, wow, that was awesome. Let's go back and do it again next year. And we built it, we built it, built it. Obviously, in 2020, that was the first time we've never toured. We've never canceled a show, you know. And it was like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? So we did a live stream. Uh, it reached 250,000 homes, and it really made me feel proud uh, of what Paul created so many years ago because everybody wanted their tradition intact, albeit virtually, but they wanted to get together and celebrate Christmas Eve and other stories, even if it's only once. When I heard that the numbers, when the numbers came in, excuse me, I said, God, I hope we can do this you know, next year. I really want to do this again. And then when they gave us a green light to get ready to go do it, it was like when you when you love something so much and you, it's kind of taken from you, when you get it back in your hands, you love and cherish it that much more. So I'm so excited just to be back at work to do what I love to do. And, comma, <laughs> that we're celebrating its 25th birthday after being away for a year. So the excitement level is really through the roof right now. I can only imagine. And it, it, we are so excited that you're making a stop in St. Paul on Monday, December 27th. Um, and um, here's the thing. You're at XL Energy um, Arena, which is beautiful. And I know it's going to sound amazing in there. And you've always been known for your light show and the mm-hmm. big orchestration. It's just remarkable. Do you have all of the same people on board that when, when you came here years ago, we were? It, it was always selling out. You couldn't get tickets to come see. Uh, <laughs> You know, trans yeah, exactly. Siberian orchestra. So here you are, and during the pandemic, although it's waning, what in the world are you going to do that most of the fans here that know and love you expect? Are you going to be able to cover all the songs that they want, or are you just picking and choosing for the twenty fifth? No, we're going to do uh, Christmas Eve and other stories in its entirety. Uh, that's mm-hmm. become so many people's uh, um, holiday tradition, including myself. The front of the show, uh, we have a couple songs we've never played before, and in the back of the set, we're going to do everybody's favorites and a couple ones that we haven't done in years. The production, listen, our crew has been out of work for almost two years also, so they've been home in their pajamas on their laptops figuring out goofy stuff to do during the show, so I can only imagine how much bigger the productions would be this year. Listen, in 99, we had one box truck, two buses, and a fog machine, and we thought we were really cool back then. Right. <laughs> now, last year, last year I left the uh, all. Excuse me. Two years ago, the last show um, in '19, I left the All State Arena in Chicago, and I walked through the parking lot, and I counted 21 tractor trailers and 12 buses. 
So this thing has grown up like my kids have grown up from infancy to their 20s. You know, they've exceeded all my expectations. So has this band, you know, this thing that Paul created, you know, in, in that incredible mind of his so many years ago. You know, the audience has changed, of course. A lot of uh, the adults in the room will bring their children or their teenagers or their college students to come and see the group that they've loved to hear over the years here in the Twin Cities. Yep. And so, as you as you know, you start thinking, what do we offer to this, these other age groups that really don't know who we are just yet? Or maybe they saw us when they were very young. What do you say to sure. that? You know, because we're all growing up together. We're all getting older. When I recorded uh, the first notes of this all those years ago, my oldest son, uh, he was, he's 36 now, so he was like 10 or 11 years old back then. He's grown up with it, you know. Um, my my littlest daughter, Layla, who's five years old, she was born into it, and she's just she loves it as much as my older kid. I'll look in the audience, and I'll see grandparents with their grandkids on on their laps. I'll see, you know, teenagers in the first row for the first 30 seconds of the show, they're like rolling their eyes and texting people, oh my God, I'm out with my grandparents. And within a matter of moments, they got their fists in the air having the time of their lives. You know, like you said, three, four generations of families hanging out, coming to celebrate Paul's work. You know, that's something I never saw on the radar, you know, and, and to look out and see families gathering for two hours and 15 minutes, two hours and 20 minutes, whatever, and enjoying this work year after year. These are the people I refer to affectionately as my repeat offenders. They just keep coming back and they keep bringing more people with them. This thing has grown up organically, you know, and I'm so proud of it. Will you be able to put forward um, a video or something of, of, for Paul O'Neill just to, you know, remind the audience uh, who, who we lost and that you're still moving forward? I'm sure that he's looking down just thrilled that you guys are continuing to move forward. Yeah, well, he said a long time ago, you know, we I literally I've spent almost half my life with the man in the studio. And uh, he said, you know, Al, you know, I just want this to live long past all of us. You know, he, he wants the music to be remembered. Now, I wasn't ready for that event to occur, you know, a bunch of years ago when he passed. But uh, every evening at every show, you know, I, I, as I'm introducing the band, the last person I introduced and tipped my hat to was Paul because he's, you know, He's my big brother. He's my best friend. He was my boss, my producer, and he, he he changed my life. So every note that's played, you know, is for him. Every pyro hit that goes off, you know, is in his honor and in his memory. And his family, his wife and his daughter are carrying on the tradition. So he, he got his wish. I just wish he was with me right to the very end together. Mm. And, of course, since you uh, were last here, technology has really changed over the years, and now you have mm. so much, an abundance of other ways to use it to make sure that the Trans-Siberian Orchestra sounds, looks, feels even different on these stages today. Um, has that been a real challenge, trying to figure it all out? Nah, we've all been very well trained over the years. You know, Paul taught us all how to do our jobs. You know, and a couple times we'll look at each other and say, what would Paul do here? And we both, you know, we'd all smile and go, we know exactly what he'd do, you know? So it, it, it's going to continue to grow. Musically, it'll continue to grow. Technology, like you said, the production, the sound, everything about it just gets better and better and better every year. And again, being away from it for a year, as soon as we started rehearsing last week, we hit the downbeat. It was like, oh my God, this sounds so great. And it looks beautiful. Well, I tell you, you'll be in St. Paul at the XL Energy Center. And, of course, people will come from all over Minnesota just to see uh, and to hear not just all of your favorites, but anything new that you're presenting and putting forward. Now, this is happening on Monday, December 27th um, at XL Energy Center in St. Paul. You have two shows that you're doing here in the Twin Cities, mm -hmm. 3 p.m. and 8 p.m. Two shows. That's awesome, dude. Really awesome. So <laughs> if people want tickets, are the tickets even available now? 
Yeah, they are. They can go to trans-siberian.com to get all the information they need to know about you know, the band, the dates, where to get tickets, and all that stuff. So I, I would start there. All right, trans-siberian.com. Yes, ma'am. It's been a pleasure to talk to you tonight. I, I'm so excited you guys are coming, Al. Thank you. Uh, I can't wait. I enjoyed our conversation. Please stay safe and much love to everybody out that way. I'll see you soon. All right, sir. Take care. Good night now. If you have not heard Trans-Siberian Orchestra, maybe you've heard the music on all of the holiday stations. Um, maybe you have not. But I know my niece, Javita, do I have that right? Isn't this the album that Jasmine absolutely loves? My niece, she, I'll never forget when she finally got the album and she listened to that song over and over and over again. Maybe I'll surprise her with tickets. Oh, Maybe that'll be a good Christmas present. She loves them. All right, we're going to take a break, you guys, and come back with our our guest in just a moment. As you all know, I was looking forward to hearing or speaking with Rick Shiomi um, uh, here about this big thing called the Empathy Project, and we weren't able to reach him. But now he's joining us. I just have a couple questions for you, Rick. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you for taking the call. Okay, the Empathy Project fascinates me because, of course, you talk to rural Minnesotans as well as urban Minnesotans. How did that go? Um, how many did you uh, talk to, and what were those discussions like? Well, there were 20 interviews with people from around the, uh, Minnesota, as you said, and um, it was really interesting. There were like one-hour, pretty in-depth um, um, discussions, interviews, and Stephanie Lee Walseth, the creator and, and who's written the play sort of took the best of those interviews and has created this piece built around uh, a, a number of those stories. You must have had to get permission from them to, to be allowed to use this and put it and create a piece around it. Um, once people realize that this is for real, we're actually going to be a part of this empathy project, little bits and pieces. What are you hearing from the, from those that participated? The people that have participated have really been excited about it um, because I think um, for them it was an opportunity to really have people understand where they're coming from, what their stories are about, what their experiences are about. And I think that that's um, what's exciting for them. And I think for us it's like tremendous to see all these different stories coming together to see sort of what makes up the people of Minnesota. Oh, man, that's a great question. Tell us all when you know, okay? <laughs> a lot of us, you know, there's so many different people here. It's really great. Um, we are an eclectic, um, beautiful rainbow of people. And so I can just imagine how great those conversations were. As you put this whole thing together, was there something that was left out and you wish it made it into the piece? Um, I think um, in some ways I feel like there's more... We, we sort of did center, left, center, right, center kind of thing. We weren't really able to get the extreme, what I would say, the extreme right or the extreme left in a sense. So um, I think we saw a, a lot of different people, but um, there's kind of like um, uh, the, the reasonable three quarters in a sense. The reasonable three-quarters, in a sense. Well, I wish I had more time with you, sir. I'm glad that we were able to even talk just a little bit. Um, and so I really wish you well with this, Rick. Um, where is it performing at? Where can people see it? It's going to be at Park Square Theater at the Andy Boss uh, stage downstairs. 
and uh, it's going to be running from November the 12th to the 21st. All right, I did mention that earlier, and I'm glad that you were able to mention it again. I wish you well with this, and I hope you do more of these, like Empathy Project 2, 3, 4, 5, and exactly. more. Exactly. We'll, we'll do more explorations of what's going on. For sure. Thank you so much for joining us, Rick. Take care. Thank you. All right, that is Rick Shiomi, and again, it's called The Empathy Project. You don't want to miss that. Just go to parksquaretheater.com. All right, my next guest, I'm very excited about this one, too, as we wrap up this hour. Um, there's a little piece I think Jonathan is going to play, and I believe it's pronounced a Folios Porch Song. Let's take a listen. You may be wondering what that is all about. Well, veteran St. Paul songwriter Martin Devaney announces the release of Dispatch, the debut album from his new project, Folios, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, is dubbed the unofficial mayor of St. Paul. Devani um, has made a name for himself over the last 20 years as a folk Americana artist, but his new songs are going in a different direction, channeling both his literary roots and his love of lo-fi rock and roll, or as he calls it, cardigan rock, which I find hilarious because my 30, what, 37-year-old son <laughs> loves cardigan. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> All right. Welcome, Martin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. You know, you, I hear that you have a fun show lined up next Saturday at the White Squirrel in St. Paul. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's uh, it's actually become a great neighborhood spot uh, here in the West 7th neighborhood. I, I live nearby, and it's uh, some people I know own the place and opened it up about six months ago. And we're playing with a group called We Are the Willows, um, and we're playing one of our uh, third or fourth show here, uh, celebrating a cassette release of the album. Did you say a cassette release? Yeah, yeah, we're putting it out <laughs> on a tape. <laughs> That's so awesome. I my my sister-in-law was just here earlier today and she had all these cassettes and she says, "You know, I love them so much. I just don't want to get rid of them yeah. yet." And people are really going back to of course the the vinyl, but the tapes, that's a big deal. Well done. What are you hearing from people when you when the, yeah. you tell them, "Yeah, we're going to sell cassettes." Well, you know, I mean, we did do vinyl as well. I I've I've done that a few times, but with the cassette, um, you know, there is a little market for it with the people, you know, still find it's kind of a neat thing you can bring home and it's a cheap way for artists and fans both to kind of support a project. Yeah, that's the thing, you know. Um, it's funny because people talk about cassettes, but then when it's time to sell them, it's kind of like, well, how much mm -hmm. is it, 50 cents? Is it a dollar? Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> we have a yep. bunch of those too, my family and I. So, yeah, it's really interesting that you're doing this. Now, I want to make sure that I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Is it Martin Devani or Duvaney? It's Devaney, yep. Okay, and is it Folios that the album is yeah, called? Yeah, Folios. Yeah, that's Tell project. us about Folios. Why is it called that? Um, I just kind of wanted something with a bit of a literary bent to it. Um, you know, last last winter, kind of hunkered down at home and reading a lot and just kind of working on tunes to pass the time. And uh, just felt like something that fit for the, you know, kind of lyrical-based uh, tunes that I was working on. What's really interesting is that as a songwriter, you have the advantage of putting together something that you want people to hear and experience. What experience do you think people will have once they take a listen to Folios? Um, you know, hopefully just that connection of somebody that uh, 
taking a look around and sharing experience and, uh, you know, hopefully tapping into some kind of, you know, like I said, shared experience and, uh, you know, enjoying the, the melodies as well. And, yeah. um, yeah. Well, tell us more about, um, the band. Can you tell us who's in the band and what you guys are, or how are you going to lay this out for the big event coming up? Yeah. Um, yeah, I play with uh, four other guys right now. Um, some friends that go back to high school and even grade school in, in a cool. couple cases. Um, so Josh Peterson, guitar player, uh, has been in my band in, in high respects, uh, St. Paul hip hop group. Um, my buddy Matt Pauline on bass going back, back to grade school. Uh, fellow named Ryan Lovin on drums and he's played with Romantica and Roma Deluna in town. And then Adam Lamro on keyboards and vocals, uh, joining me. Well, man, I really wish you well. Tell us where people can get yeah. tickets and, and what time it starts. Uh, it'll be an 8 o'clock show on Friday, or rather on Saturday, Saturday the, the 13th. <laughs> and um, there's no cover at, at, this, at the White Squirrel. So, um, mm. you know, limited space, but we'll be there uh, covering music for a few hours. Yeah, limited space at the White Squirrel, and that's in St. Paul. So, um, you yeah. know, if they want to find out more about the band, where do they go? What website? You can head to foliostheband.com, and that's, uh, that'll get you connected with everything. And that's F-O-L-I-O-S-T-H-E, band, B-A-N-D.com. Thank yeah. you so much for joining us, Martin. I really appreciate it, and I'm sure you guys are going to have a you. blast. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Take care. Yep, you too. Well, that's just about it tonight for um, Center Stage. I do want to mention that my sister Javita and I are performing at the Dakota on Thanksgiving evening. Thanksgiving. Um, we are really excited about it. It's Javita and I featuring our brother Billy Steele as well as a smoking band. We have Dustin Keel on guitar and Jonathan the Cure on bass and Kenyari Jackson on drums and, of course, Billy Steele on pianos and we and piano and we're just so excited about it. Thanksgiving is a really big deal in our family and our mother hasn't been out for a while um, and she is determined to go and hear this Thanksgiving concert. The songs are going to be about not just inspiring and uplifting but it tells the truth about the importance of being thankful and what Thanksgiving really means. So come on out check out the songs, check out, check us out and we're really excited about it. It looks like it's going to be about 6pm is when the show starts so you don't want to miss it on November 25th. I know bring your whole family, honey. There'll be a great dinner and so much more. We're so looking forward to being a part of this again. Also coming up, Javita and I will be at Crooners again on December 29th. December 29th. Come check us out. We'd love to see you. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 